0: Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the Enlightened Mike podcast. My name is Tim. I'll be your host. And we're going to take you into a really great show here with Carl, my co-host here in a minute. Uh, But quick shout outs to every member of Team Galaxy Brain here in Portland as well as fable hobby uh, one of our lgs's here in portland that hosts us very graciously on a weekly basis uh, and is a supporter of the show so thank you so much to trevor from fable hobby thank you to team galaxy brain without further ado enjoy the show From Welcome, everybody, to the Enlightened Mike podcast. My name's Tim, joined by my friend Carl. Say hello, Carl.
1: Hey, everybody. How's it going? How you doing, Tim?
0: I am doing super well. Uh, not as well as you because you came from uh, the calling this weekend ProQuest, uh, not the ProQuest, the uh, Pro Tour, I should say. Uh, you also played in a Battle Harden, so uh, yeah, how did that go for
1: you? Yeah, you know, that was an incredible weekend. There were some uh, some really high-caliber players everywhere throughout the Battle Harden, the side events, even, you know, of course, in, in the Calling, which I participated in. I didn't uh, have a particular great showing. You know, we we were expecting a an aggressive heavy meta, and I decided to bring a, a, a Channel Mount Heroic Cheerios Briar, we like mm-hmm. to call it, very similar to the Sam Dando list, but... It performed admirably. I made a few mistakes here and there and and had a well-deserved showing. But uh, Archer, who's also on Team Galaxy Brain here, he he ended up getting day two on chain, uh, probably one of the best chain players I know and uh that mm, yeah. as well so it was good to see him really take that uh take that into the day two and have a strong showing there yeah
0: he definitely got a lot of reps on that deck uh i i've never seen him play another deck except for i guess he played viscerai a while back and like blitz and stuff um but as far as CC he's like frequently tuning testing his main deck i was a little bummed he went uh so what was it he went five two day one may date day two day two and then he got one loss and i think he dropped i don't know if he got the loss right on or if he like played and uh, you know went like 1-1 on day two but i i don't know i personally would have would have stayed on but i know that there's like fatigue and 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 stuff after playing you know many hours of flesh and blood (laughs) over the course of a couple days um so i mean yeah so you brought you brought channel mount heroic briar love that deck obviously um and yeah you said you you got the sam dando list um and you made a couple of modifications i know one of them was red whispers uh how did that like how did that feel for you in testing and and you know at the events obviously
1: yeah, so we we came down with one red non-attack action and went uh, down with two of the Sting of sorceries, which which felt mm. a little little underpowered overall. You you really had to have a wide turn to make that deal more than three damage. Yeah. And If you're having that wide of a turn, you're you're already really pushing ahead, right? So so whispers uh, felt awesome. One, you know, it blocks for four with an embodiment up, which on its own is is very solid. Two, it it sets up for some some known sonatas, right? So if you whisper sonata, you can set up that attack, non-attack mix, being able to see four cards before you do it, and then uh, you know those two together, of course, create the bottom end of lightning that keeps you going off of that at- attack action you just drew from from the sonata, and then uh, you know the the kind of worst way to play for it is to uh, just dig deeper for Chalmont Heroic, which if you think about it, the red and be able to dig through and, and set up for that big turn is what Briar's trying to do from all facets. So, so that was I, honestly, it was probably the MVP of the deck outside of, you know, channel not heroic itself.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I remember, I remember we were playing a game and you were like, I don't know, like whispers sounds like it doesn't seem that great. And somebody was like, well, maybe it was me actually. Somebody was like, oh, well, why don't you just dig for channel Mount Heroic with it? <laughs> right. You just like, bottom all four cards until you get there. Um, and that, that's definitely a use case for the card, right? Like I, I on its surface, I like, I was a little dubious. So like whispers, like, that's fine. That's, that's cute and all. Um, but, but it seems really powerful because uh, I, I know that our biggest problem with the deck before you, I know you switched around to a couple other decks and I'd love to hear more about that too. But uh-huh. um, our biggest problem with the deck is, is that if you didn't have a channel mount heroic, you just, you were just dead in the water and it just felt so underwhelming. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, sorry that you didn't, you know, uh, you know, do as well as you wanted, but, uh, yeah, I mean, how's the, how would you, would you play the deck again going forward? Uh, would you play that, like, if you're going to go to a pro quest this weekend, there is actually a pro quest this weekend, which is funny, uh-huh. but if you were going to go to a pro quest this weekend, would you play that deck again? Yeah,
1: good question, and, you know, speaking to the, the Whispers uh, just quickly, yeah, sometimes, you just dig, you, you see four reds that you don't want to see, and you've got a you know a blue that you're holding on to. It makes sense just to bottom the four cards and, and go for that Channel Not Heroic, get, get you that much closer. Uh, the last one I, I failed to mention was uh, Ravenous Rabble. It, it uh, combos well with Ravenous Rabble as well, because you can guarantee your top card is a red. So anyway, that's that's four or five different ways that the card's really playing for us. And then as far as the deck choice, um, I, I had done a lot of testing with Prism when... Um, uh pre-Starvo nerf, right before they changed um viscerai and uh nerf to Autumn's touch for Starvo, which which seems like such a mild hit, but it's a pretty big hit for a uh a Starvo that might want to play a more defensive like the, the Michael Hamilton list. So as far as the, the choice itself, I, I was a little bit late to the party for changing for uh the the calling in Procrest weekend. And I wasn't confident in the amount of time that I had to get the reps I needed to play chain. Uh, Archer uh, nailed it. He, you know, he nailed again. Archer's a guy on our, on Team Galaxy with us, but he he nailed the the meta choice in chain. In that, um, it's it's solid against Starvo. It's solid against fatigue. It, it crushes Prism now. It's you know gone to the days of the the Tyler horsepool uh, fatigue against chain. And there's a few reasons for that, which you know we can talk about. But uh, I would probably have taken chain if I just had more time to get reps. I played Briar previously. I was very comfortable with Briar and Limited. Um, it was a it was a really easy transition. Yeah, I played a lot of Katsu and and has some bears some similarities, right? Creating body is a little bit different. Yeah, but that's that's about it, right? You're still trying to just go wide and go tall whenever you can.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> I feel the same where I feel like uh, a lot of people, and it's especially back when, uh, back before Ball Lightning was banned, right? Like, like Lightning Briar was just like, I, I think that that deck was like a much lower skill cap than the well, the, the skill floor I should say was a lot lower than the Channel Mount Briar list, um, because you can't just with channel mount briar you can't just pop off out of nowhere like you can have some like decent turns but they're pretty underwhelming compared to what the rest of the format's doing right so um yeah and i mean I, as far as chain like i what i love about archer and his list is that he knew exactly what he was going to attack right like he was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna beat starvos and i'm gonna beat like prisms um and i'm good enough against everything else and he went in, and he like a week to week, he was like, "Oh, maybe I should try this, maybe I should try that, I kind of want to do this, and he like tried different amounts of blood debt, different pitch uh uh pitch ratios, and stuff like that um, and he came out with something really solid where uh, you know the <laughs> when I was on Starvo against him the first few weeks, um I didn't feel like I was gonna lose it all, and then he kind of figured out how he wanted to pitch deck and how he wanted to fight against the guardians that were trying to fatigue him uh and yeah he came away um he came away with a a really solid plan and a really solid deck and i mean a really solid record too so um yeah i big shout out to archer um i don't know if he's on like twitter or something but you know once he is (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah, Sir Archibald in Discord. If uh, you're local to Portland, you can you can look him up there and hit him up for some chain advice. He's also he's very active in the community. He's he's active yeah. in uh, in the major Fab Discord channel as well. If you, if you want to chat about chain chain tech, yeah. he's he's got it down
0: uh, pretty oh, man. pretty solid. He will talk to you about chain too. I've had a lot of conversations about Rune Blade with that guy. Mm-hmm. Um yep. so yeah, cool. Um yeah, I mean I think uh I, anything else to say about this uh the the Briar list before we, we, we move on uh to our next uh next topic. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't think so. Um it's, a, it's still a solid pick. It can can put out some really decent numbers without Channel Mount Heroic, and then when Channel Mount Heroic is out, it can it can just steamroll any, any opponent. It doesn't matter the yeah. deck. So, so that's that's where I think the the strength
0: really lies. Yeah, and I just wanted to quickly touch on the other deck that you had been uh you had been getting a lot of reps with. Uh, it was Prism, um, but it was a little bit different, right? So you weren't doing the you weren't doing the aura like tank plan. Um, you were. I mean, your primary plan was just heralds, right? Um, Herald, pummel, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I think you were running Tunic. You weren't doing the uh, Tome. um, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Tome of Ascendancy? Uh, of Divinity. Divinity, yeah. Tome of Divinity. Um, You were just doing Tunic kind of like aggro prism what was your thought process behind this because i i think it was really interesting
1: yeah had a lot of iterations there uh, similar to how archer was was planning his build out i was expecting a, a heavy guardian meta and wanted to bring a deck that was strong overall against guardian uh-huh. we we started to see though that um the elemental starvo was a, a lot more difficult for mm-hmm. uh, prism because of, of the go again follow up kill an aura right so that's where that's where i noticed it started to fall off so i i, I did lots of iterations i did a, a vestige tomb of divinity build that's all heralds and none of the new none of the new two block blue auras i did yeah. one with less of the two-block blue auras invested still, and was trying to strike that balance between being able to handle an aggressive matchup, because traditionally prison has a hard time with with something like a briar or a katsu or or a chain. Yeah, and, yeah, and then build the side around creating a problem for guardian. But but once guardian got pushed towards the the casino or the
0: elements yeah. build so that is well, that's the distinction I was just going to make too is like mm. there's the I think you even named it it's the Michael Ham- Hamilton version right so it's got like right. a, a million D reacts and uh, you know it's more it just focuses on having as many three blocks as possible and stuff like that um, but what yeah what you at least have been calling the casino but I think most people have been calling it that or Elemental Starvo that's another uh-huh. name for it. Um, yeah, just like reveal the Starvo as much as possible and then play out your what like what like I raged about I raged about this when when Starvo first came out it's like why is everybody playing these shitty elemental cards And it's because you can it's because you can give them go again right and they they bonk for like nine and so uh-huh. it makes sense. Um, that being said, yeah. So the Autumn's Touch nerf happened, and you and and so that kind of took away a lot of the defense and left Starvo's with the the elemental option really as the primary. Um, and so Prism, so you were just starting, you were just struggling against that a little bit more, and you weren't comfortable with the amount of Aggro that was coming coming towards you.
1: Exactly. Not not just from Starvo, but because Starvo was moving more towards that elemental build. It meant that aggro was going to increase as part of the meta. And if and if we look at what happened, you know, the team was spot on on identifying that. You know, Chain obviously won the Pro Tour, yeah. and the the Chain showing and just aggro showing in general was immense. I think there were mm-hmm. 14 oldens in all of the Pro Tour. And it yeah. just kind of goes to show, like, how much Guardian was kind of coming down, including including the Starvo lists, right? Moving into the more right. elemental builds. Yep.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's like that's uh that's the other deck that like and I'm kind of like an Oldham fanboy. Uh me and our other uh our other team member uh Natan, he is very good at Oldham. I'm a big fan of Oldham. Uh I was hoping that Oldham would have a better showing, but I think that I think there were too many prisms, honestly, right? Like uh people were playing prism to beat starvo um and uh to you know making their their build like slightly more defensive playing like sink below stuff like that um to fight off the aggro and i I think that like the people that brought Oldham were like well let's try to dodge prism and just didn't do it um because yeah i i think there were too many prisms there right like uh, 100 yeah yeah
1: i think it was uh, still the third most popular deck that
0: that came Yeah. yeah yeah for sure yeah, so I mean, it was an interesting idea, and it's like something I want to keep in my back pocket, just like, just you know, uh, heralds and pummels and and bonking. Just I love it. Uh, I've started saying that all the time now. Just bonk because uh, hey. I, I I asked you, I asked you at one point, it's like, oh, why are you playing? Um, it was like coalescing mirage, it's just like a two for a two for seven or something. And you're like, well, it bonks. And so, yeah. <laughs> and yellow like, bonk. Okay. Yep, <laughs> that's right. It's a bonk and it's yellow. Yeah. That's uh, right. Cool. All right, well, uh, let's see here. So uh, we talked about the calling. Um, how much do you think that the uh, meta in the PT uh, was mirrored with the meta in the calling? Um, it was very similar,
1: I, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they announced the numbers for it, and the, the meta was very similar. Um, what was interesting is everybody's uh, arcane barrier went up a little bit, because the... <laughs> The Kano conversion rate, you know, there's seven Kanos in the Pro Tour and two of them made it to the top eight. And that conversion yeah. rate is insane, right? That's yeah. that was the the meta call. It was to to play Kano because everybody's on just a couple AB in order to deal with yeah, all these yeah. Starvos and Prisms that are out there. So, uh, any, anyway, the. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that was definitely the meta call and, uh, you know, I'm sorry, Tim, what was the question again? I, I got excited about,
0: you know, I, <laughs> I love Kano. I, I got excited about, well, let's take a second, let's take a second and, uh, and, and talk about that. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the calling and the PT, those, um, those were, uh, they were mirrored pretty closely. Uh, but in the second yeah. day, people, uh, people upped their AB cause they were scared of Kano. Rightfully so um but i think it's really interesting because yes seven kanos on day one uh and then two made top eight that is that is insane. that being said i think that what's going to happen is uh we're going to see people like um so the guy that uh uh went he, he was like first seed going into top eight i think
1: yeah uh, lost, so Ale- lost Ale- in the that's right. Alexander Vor yeah. uh, was first seed. I've actually played against him.
0: In, me too. Uh, in I've some... lost to him a bunch, actually. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah i i beat him some and, and lost to him some. We we were neck and neck for first in one of the the big like uh, three month league tournaments that we were doing. Uh, he he ended up getting me in the last game to to take first, but but it was good. It was uh, it was excellent competition. He he was. Incredible Kano player, very gracious yeah. player as well, and you could tell that he yeah. really loved he really loved Wizard. So, you know, he he definitely got his his day uh, in in the light there at the the Pro Tour, and and good on him for piloting it there too, because yeah. Kano was a difficult deck. In fact. Um, in the airport, Archer and I were sitting down because Archer and I both love Kano also, and we were just going through combos and we were like drawing four cards and say, "Okay, maximize output, what can we do? You know right. how do we play this hand in order to win this game you are going to die in three turns let 's go right so it's uh it's a fun, interesting, very difficult deck and and how that 's going to impact the meta is I think there'll be more people probably trying Kano, and there might mm-hmm. be more people playing kano but i i don't suspect that at least right away, we'll see a lot of others having right. great success with Kano, just because of, of how high the skill ceiling is with that deck.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, right, is, like, the... Yeah, so the other people that brought Kano are uh, mostly, the like, the Arsenal Pass guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Brennan, Patrick, Hadendale, uh and a bunch of their buddies, right, that they test with. Um, and... I get the feeling that they just like from listening to their podcasts and stuff. They have a pretty strict testing regimen, uh, and they test a lot. So I can imagine leading up to the pro tour, they were just jamming games, probably doing the same thing. You know, theory crafting, like what's our damage outputs? You know, figuring out sideboarding for the for the matchup, which spells are motive? I guess they're not spells; there's actions in this game. Uh, but and then that and then that's the other thing too is like Alexander Four. Like I have played him a bunch of times. He's always been on Kano. And I've talked to him a bunch of times about Kano as well, and he is he is passionate about that deck. Like I get the sense that that's pretty much all he's ever played is Kano, so he knows it inside and out. He knows his pitch ratios that he wants. Um, he knows how to play around AB4 plus Crown. <laughs> that's definitely something yeah. I've, I've I've had against him before, and um, he's just he's just really good. Uh, and and his mastery of the deck clearly came through. It's too bad that he lost in top eight. It, he some of his Kano flips were kind of kind of lackluster, um, and uh, he, he just didn't he just didn't draw as, as well as he needed to. I think, but um, yeah, I, I think I think Kano could be a, a, a good like dark horse in in a lot of tournaments going forward if you have the reps and if you know how to pilot him. So. That's my that's my take on it. I definitely picked up Kano the week before uh, the uh, uh, the PT and took it to our Wednesday night constructed. I will have you know I went zero and four. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's Carl's fault because he let me uh, play that deck. So uh, yeah, that's right. That's
1: right. Uh, you know, need, I need veto power over what what Timothy brings to the
0: uh, yeah yeah. The <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's so. Uh, where were we? we were talking about the calling and the PT. Um, so I also yeah, I want to touch on that. So you the meta of the calling and the PT were pretty close, plus or minus some AB ones. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that you said too that Team Galaxy Brain kind of nailed the meta. We talked about this a lot. I know that. Uh, you know, I know that Archer plays a ton and and also listens to a lot of podcasts and also does a lot of testing. So like, I think he had a good handle on the meta. I think you had a pretty good handle on the meta as well. Like, I could scroll up in our Discord and find the breakdown where you're like, I think it's gonna be X percent this, X percent that. I think it's pretty close within five percenters. Um, and so going into the weekend, um, if you were to do it again, knowing that you were correct what do you think you would have done differently
1: yeah good question i think i would have i think i would have forced myself just to get more reps on briar you know Mm -hmm. briar is like a very simple deck to play you know a couple non-attacks and some attacks right but but there's this interesting nature that doesn't exist in something like magic the gathering where you know i know you and i have a lot of experience there Mm -hmm. you know in magic the gathering you don't have an arsenal, right? So you you maximize uh, your your every single turn, right? And you and right. sometimes there's some setup for a combo, right? But you're still maximizing that turn in order to get to that combo. Well, if if you play that way in Flesh and Blood, you put out a bunch of really mediocre turns. But if if you do this cycle down, cycle up nature, where in one turn you're cycling down and doing a little bit of damage just to you know get a little bit of a life lead or potentially get a card out of their hand with a with a um, you know prominent like on hit effect, and then you cycle down you arsenal, a really strong card, you leave an embodiment of lightning out, and then you cycle up, you know you play your Chalmat heroic and you play out of Arsenal, and now you have a five card hand with with a, a free go again on the board. You can really output way more than you ever could by just maximizing every individual turn right and i didn't start yeah. to to really pick up on that until just you know like just before the calling on pro Tour weekend mm-hmm. so, so there's just some things that that i would have you know liked to have done uh so that i could have uh you know maybe shown a little bit better um there i had i had a really poor uh interaction also with uh somebody who was playing a little bit sharky right i'm not gonna call it names or anything but i uh I, I didn't call a judge, and I should have. You know, this guy was putting, like, his tunic behind his deck in weird spots. He had all his tokens out up on the combat chain, which was kind of strange. And, uh, you know, he's he's being kind of belligerent. Like, he didn't want to roll dice a certain way. He didn't want to roll my dice. Like, it was it was all just very fishy. And, and I, I spoke to a judge afterward and, and talked to him about it. And he, he really iterated something that I think hit home. And James White said this to the, to the whole... To the whole uh, pro tour crowd, was that the the goal of this game is to, to play great games in Flesh and Blood. He he's not joking. So when when I was talking to some of the judges afterwards, and I, I'm a, I'm a judge as well, so I was talking to some of the other judges, and he he was saying that that permeates throughout you know all the the judging. Um, like circles right so so if i were to have brought a judge over and just got up and said look i'm playing against this guy you know he's playing like you know the stereotypical mtg grinder that just is trying to beat you up over every little rule right what happened, right. right and i said I, I am not enjoying my flesh and blood gaming experience playing against this person that judge is going to rule in your favor because you know, as long as it's within the, within the rules, of course, he's not going to break rules for you, but but as long as it's within the rules and there's, there's a judge call that could go either way, and you're saying, look, man, I'm just not having a good time right now with, with this experience that's not what they want they they want yeah. you to be enjoying and having a good time they want you to be you know playing great games in the flesh and blood and really embodying what james white is telling us over the mic so so it's it actually really really uh validating for the card game itself i think to hear that from uh you know a, just a, another judge that would have been judging in my game and i guess i'm saying all this to to encourage you know, you, Tim, or, or anybody listening that, you know, don't hesitate to call a judge over and just talk to him. You know, we're we're all people and we all want to have, you know, great games mm-hmm. in flesh and blood. So, so there you go. I think that's, uh, those are like the two big things I really would have, uh, wish I'd done differently as part of right that. On. Pro tour.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that's a, that's a whole, like... That's a whole topic right is like I, honestly I think I think that if you have any kind of a doubt or question, I think just call a judge right like that's something that when I started playing magic, I I and I well not just when I started playing magic when I started playing magic and I started getting interested in like going to competitive events. Um, there were definitely one or two times where I feel like I got taken advantage of because somebody kind of coerced me out of calling a judge or whatever. Uh-huh. um and looking back it's like you know even if you were wrong and a judge is not necessary like they're not going to penalize you for calling a judge like you just you just call a judge if you're not sure like that's that's the the, the one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to people who um who are starting out in the competitive scene is just call a judge your opponent's playing slow just say like, hey judge could you watch this game for a sec your opponent's doing something fishy it's like hey judge is this is this okay and you just you know as long as everybody's respectful and happy then uh well, <laughs> as long as everybody's respectful, <laughs> don't know if everybody's gonna be happy after the decision. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. But that's what they're there for, and that's their job. And they're not gonna get annoyed at you. Your opponent might get a little salty, but you know, all the better for you, I suppose.
1: Yeah, even if you're um, just feeling uncomfortable, right? If you're just yeah, uncomfortable yeah. playing the card game, and it's just about you know, even it's just about their mannerisms or something that's not right call a judge right and it's not that you're trying to get them to make a judgment call on this person it's that when you do you are empowered by that judge to have a better game right because you've done what you needed to do to make it happen so yeah it was interesting we we had actually a very cool experience after after the weekend archer and i uh were were pretty exhausted you know we checked out of our airbnb at like 11 and we went and had lunch and then we just headed straight to the airport and it was like i want to say noon yeah, it was like 1230. And our flight didn't leave until 8 p.m. So oh. we we were sitting in the in the bar at a table. You know, we had our cards out. And uh, I, I put uh, the box of tails on the table that I got from winning some side events. And uh, we were going to just run some sealed games. And, and this guy walks up and he goes, hey, were you guys at the Pro Tour? He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, we were there. We talked about it a little bit. And, and then we invited him over to sit with us. This is a nice guy named Ravi. And we ended up playing a three-way uh, sealed out of out of the tails, oh. right? And we had a blast, and like you know, you, yeah, you awesome. had a good time. And I, I personally am, am uh, consider myself to be very good in sealed. I have a, a fairly high rank in sealed itself, or in uh, limited, I should say, it uh, was part of Flesh and Blood. So I was I was helping like Archer and and Ravi with some pointers around like how to build their decks, and you know what could be more effective. And I was sat next to Ravi and helped him with some of his lines, and it was just it was just an amazing like flesh and blood community experience that yeah. that I haven't really experienced in a lot of other places. So so yeah, that that it, part, you know, is is a stark contrast to that kind of negative experience that I had at no, the I, beginning that, that really just brings home, like, why I play
0: this game. So Yeah, yeah. no, totally. And I mean, even, like, like, we'll use the 04 Kano night as a reference. I had a blast playing Kano, even though I didn't win a single game, because my opponents love the game. They want to be there. Well, my opponents are like rooting for me to like go off with Kano. They're like, oh, oh snap. Oh, uh-huh. are you gonna do it? Yep. It's just like an awesome feeling. And most of the time when win or lose, People just like James White said, we just wanna have great games of flesh and blood. So I know we have to wrap up here, uh have, you know, work lives and children. Uh but you know, in uh you know, what's your what's your your, your just sixty second takeaway from, you know, wandering the convention hall, the atmosphere, just like the game in general. Nothing nothing, you know, super specific. Um, uh, but how was the how is the event like how is the going to the event?
1: Yeah, it was pretty smooth. You know, there... The very first event, I want to say, it took maybe an hour to kick off, but uh, they were having some some online uh, issues with Gem, right? And it wasn't unexpected. I mean, there were th- over a thousand people there, easy, and and the people that you play with are are you know the vast majority are very gracious. So so it was just it was just an incredible amount of support, and that permeated through the vendors. You could tell the vendors were happy to be there. It was it was an incredible weekend of uh, flesh and blood and, and playing great great card games. So, I
0: mean, I can't think of a better way to wrap the show. Uh, thank you everybody for listening uh, to our inaugural episode of Enlightened Mike Podcast. Uh, look out for more. Uh, we aim to be just kind of like a, a, a shorter form, um, you know, uh, easy listening uh, uh, kind of podcast. And uh, we hope to see you next time. Say goodbye, Carl. Goodbye. Ah. Bye, buddy. Yep, thanks for listening. (laughs) See ya.